Nice, nice. Thank you, Hakeem. Have you, uh, you've been to, we were just talking about Oakland. Have you been here before? Never been to Oakland. Uh, I've been to New York and LA and Las Vegas and, you know, never Oakland. Uh, and you're talking about when you came here, you came here uh, performing with the band. Is that right? No, I went uh, just to indulge myself in the freedoms of your country. <laughs> and uh, also, yeah, one time I went with the helicopters to just be a sort of, you know, uh, helping hand, I would say. Would you, uh, do you think you were very helpful to them? Um... Yeah, I drank their beers, and, uh, you know, that's pretty helpful, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You light, you lighten their load. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the band name. How did you settle on Dead Lord, and what other names were strongly considered? Um, uh, so when we started the band, I was into sort of atheism a lot and I was really bothered by people who were religious so I wanted to like make it to you know I wanted people to notice and to be you know a bit provocative uh, but mostly it kind of sounded cool enough and that's what you go for because no band names are good until the band is good like Metallica come on what, what kind of band name is that <laughs> uh, but as soon as the band is good you can kind of get away with whatever band name you want. So you just have to go with something. Uh, I don't know what else I had in mind. I was flirting with something electric because that's, you know, always cool. But nah, the Lord, that's dead. That's us. Did you uh, did you approach uh, atheism from Christianity? Did you, uh, did you come from a religious upbringing? Um... Well, my mom's always been like going to church and she's, you know, she's, I wouldn't say she's religious because, you know, it's like no one in Sweden really is religious. Uh, but she's always been like, you know, she, she has felt that she, she has this sort of like Christian uh, roots. And my dad's also, he's like, uh, the older he's gotten, the more he's been into, like, religion. And he, he's a Muslim. He's, he claims to be a Muslim. Uh, but he, I mean, he likes to drink beer. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's just a way of for him to, like, uh, I don't know, feel better about getting old, I guess. So that's always bothered me. That's sort of, you know, believing in ghosts. Uh, but no, myself, never been really forced into anything uh, religious or so, just, you know, seeing people to, around, being weird and acting weirdly and starting wars and hating people because they read a book, the wrong book. Now, who are your main influences? Obviously, we can hear Thin Lizzy, but uh, who would we be surprised to hear as an influence? Um... I like, you know, uh, sort of the outlaw country, uh, country guys. Um, uh, Guy Clark, Towns Van Sant, people like that. Uh, that's something I listen a lot to. And I wouldn't say that it's, you know, that you can hear it in Dead Lord's music. But uh, uh, even if I don't know it, maybe there's a part of their sort of way of writing songs that I kind of 
is drawn that I'm drawn to like when I'm writing songs. Um, but then, you know, I like pretty much the standard bands that every rock dude likes, ACDC, Iron Maiden, uh, Rory Gallagher is a big one. Uh, in my mind, the greatest guitar player ever. Um, yeah. And uh, Rory, if you're refreshing my memory, Rory is an Irish guitar player. Is that correct? That is correct. I wonder if there's something in Ireland that uh, gives certain people the rock. Do you think there's certain areas of the world, like obviously you're from Sweden and there's a lot of great rock bands come from Sweden. Maybe not as many that uh, more than may come from, say, um, other parts of the world. Yeah, well, of course, like, you know, um, there's Bay Area thrash. There is, uh, uh, there was this like 80s LA sort of hair rock. Um, different parts of the world and different spots with their sort of communities and things going on make uh, the music a certain way. And, you know, Sweden isn't that big. It's like, you know, it's almost like one giant city uh, when it comes to music. And, you know, everyone knows everyone. And you have this sort of like a supportive sort of vibe going on with pretty much all the rock bands. So I think that adds to like a certain sound. Uh, absolutely. And uh, have you always played an SG? And how does it compare to uh, a V or a Les Paul or others that you played? I actually started... Uh, out playing like you know shred guitars because i was into ingrid malmsteen and i had like a strat and then it was like you know green and like flake green it was like really a, a loud color but then i kind of grew up and i understood that it's not about how many notes you play it's how well you play them or how much you mean it uh so i bought a les paul but then when I was performing with that, people started yelling slash, which to me was just like a no go. <laughs> Not that I hate, I mean, I think he plays really good, but you know, I wanted to be myself. So I, I got an SG and uh, they're really comfortable. Like if you're playing a lot of shows and you're standing there, it, it weighs nothing. You, you, you'll be fine. And uh, most importantly, people are no longer yelling slash. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's really nice. I also got my own mustache just to be sure to be a cartoon that they would recognize. Very good. Very good. A character, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the new record is Surrender. It's number four. Comes out in September. Is there any covers or bonus tracks for special releases? And uh, do you, is there any special guests on the album? Yeah, well, of course, the album is available in a gazillion different vinyl colors. Uh, and the CD version has a few bonus tracks, uh, a Rory song, a Moon Martin song, and one of our songs in Swedish. So if you want to hear how Swedish sounds, that's the CD. Um, yeah, we have a few friends on the album. Um, Robert Passion, who recorded it, is a great musician. He is playing uh, yeah, with his band, Robert Passion's Humbucker. Um, and he's doing some backing vocals on the album. We have Nick Anderson from the Helicopters playing in the tambourine, because why not? <laughs> and uh, also Josef Toll um, from uh, Enforcer. Uh, is doing 
backup uh, vocals on uh, one of the uh, two of the tracks. And he's got a great voice. Like, that's a trick, you know. If you have a song that's, you know, good, you want it to be really good, you bring in your friend who sings like like the best singer you know, and he, you have him do the backup vocals, and then it just sounds fantastic. Is there a theme that runs throughout the album, or is it more of a collection of songs? Um, yeah, usually my topics that I write lyrics about uh, tend to be sort of depressing, um, polit political sort of... Um, you know, a bit darker view on reality, that sort of, um, those topics. So a lot of, you know, um, uh, well, a lot of that, and to not make people who listen to it completely depress themselves, we tend to compensate with making the songs really snappy. Uh, so there's that, and there's also a bit of, you know, my own uh, personal nonsense, which tends to be uh, a bit more mellow songs. Uh, how hands-on is the label? And uh, do you appreciate their input? Oh, yeah, they've always been, like, really, you know, like friends, basically. Uh, this is our third album with them, and they uh, they always, like, it's like we, we know them by now, and they show up to shows, and they actually show up because they like the music, and they stick around, and they have beer. Uh, it's like... It's really nice to have that sort of thing because when it when you boil it down, it, it really comes down to like the trust between a label and, and the musicians. If you don't have that thing, then uh, you can't really get anywhere. Uh, so, so it's really nice to just have that. I was a bit worried when Sony bought them, but uh, it's been pretty much the same. Uh, and when, whenever we're passing through Dortmund, where they are uh, have their office, we we always try to have a beer with them or, or so. And I mean, they're good at what they do, and I imagine that their uh, their input or advice uh, is pretty valuable for the most part. Yeah, uh, sometimes they tend to be a bit too German, but uh, it, it's fine. <laughs> How did you hook up with them? Did they? Uh, reach out to you through social media or uh no well the, our first record label was high roller records uh and my friend sven plays drums in antichrist he uh, he got me in touch with uh, stefan and then we sort of started playing and releasing in germany so germany has always been like our home so to speak uh and from just touring and being seen there um one life our our um, manager now he he's working for them as well so he he kind of approached us and then we scouted for a few different record labels and we had a few offers i think we had four or five offers to choose from uh, none of them were re actually any good at all so uh, central media actually they had they had a good deals, which was great. And then also them being nice people, it's just, that's a bonus. What was your first rock concert? What was your first band t-shirt? Uh, I remember my first real festival I went to. Uh, it was Hultsfred in Sweden, and I went to see Slayer. 
and it blew my mind. I think I was 14 or 15. Uh, that was that was a big thing. Um, um, what was the what was the question again? Yeah, it was, what was your first what, what was your first rock band T-shirt? Oh yeah, T-shirt. Uh, what was my first rock? That is really really I can't remember. Must have been like a Metallica T-shirt, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know the standard tube. No, it, no one. I remember it was a boot bootleg Iron Maiden shirt uh, uh, with um, "Can I Play with Madness" print, and it was way too big. And I had my mom sew it in so it wouldn't fit me. <laughs> I still have it, I think. And as they are, they uh, like over here. The bootleg shirts tend to be pretty poor quality. Um, are they uh, as poor quality over there as well? Yeah, yeah, totally. City print, just but that, like when you're 13, you don't care. You just want yeah, to show people that you you'll eventually have long hair. <laughs> That's what you yeah. want to show. <laughs> and what about music? Do you collect music? Do you have uh, any prize music collectibles? Um, I only collect uh, albums, vinyls from bands uh, that I can't really get a hold of in any other way or like bands that we've been touring with and uh, you know smaller artists so if i go to a show with like an unknown or small uh, artist i tend to buy an album uh i i'm not one of those people who has like every led zeppelin album because I, i've got spotify and i think that's sufficient but when it comes to like you know things that are rare that you like can't really find anywhere else. I, I, I really want to, yeah, th those things that tr try to collect. Uh, what about instruments? Do you collect instruments? Uh, well, you see, I repair guitars whenever we're not out playing. I work in this ah. little guitar repair shop. So I get to see and play and fix a lot of guitars. And I was used to be like, you know, having 10 guitars and whatever. But now I only have three guitars, three electric guitars, because two go come with me out on tour and one stays at home uh because i kind of you know if you just like if you play 60s uh, les pauls and whatever at work and you try everything you kind of understand that all right you won't be able to find the best guitar ever because there is no best guitar it's just like different sort of flavors of guitar uh, and then it's just like i fixed my sg that i'm playing most of the time I fixed it myself and I had it like, you know, I routed it for three pickups, I refinished it, I swapped the fretboard, I refretted it, I did everything to it. And now it's like, that's the guitar I want to play. And it's the one that will stick with me for, yeah, hopefully the rest of my life. And uh, what was your first car? It was a band, uh, a car for, for uh, like a van for our band. For Dead Lord, uh, it was a shitty Mercedes Vito. It, it 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 sucked so hard. I hated that car, but it took us to Germany a few times. Then we, I actually wrecked it somewhat, and then we had it. Uh, we sold it. And are you mechanically inclined as well? Have you uh, did you learn how to work on it, uh, fix it when it broke down? Uh, no, but a few years ago, um, I think three years ago, I decided to get an old American car because I wanted to, you know, learn how to how a, how a car works. So I bought an AMC Gremlin from '73, 
and it was just like it didn't run like if you turn the steering wheel to the left the wheels went to the right it was just like a disaster and i knew nothing about cars so i bought it parked it outside of where i live and it stood there for a year or so and then i just you know eventually started like you know changing out the gearbox getting the motor running new carburetor whatever fixing the steering and now it's my little you know my little thing that i wrench on whenever i am I uh, don't have any, anything else to do. Or if I need to just like take a break from everything, I just go down into the garage and wrench away. And I have a, I have a new 318 that I'm putting in there, a uh, hopped up um, old Chrysler engine that I'm putting in it. So yeah, I'm a bit interested in that sort of thing. What makes a good Dead God song? And how, how often do you write something that sounds like an influence, but use it anyway? Uh, the trick to using things that is like way like you know I would I would say borrowed from someone else is to borrow things from a different genre so you can like you can make things off of, of soul tunes as much as you want because no one will ever know if they're only into <laughs> rock and metal um, on this album I actually tried to see how far we could take it so uh, on the song uh, uh, Evil Always Wins, there's actually the T and ACDC's TNT verse riff mixed with like random kiss licks to to make like the, oh, the yeah. verse. And we gotten away with it. I, I mean, hopefully people understand that it's like it's done with love. It's done with like as an homage. It's not done to to be like sneaky and like oh we ran out of ideas. It's not like that. It's more like showing people like this is where we come from and this is how we could make it happen. You know. Yeah, I was watching uh, the two videos that you have. Uh, one of them uh, is the performance in your living room, and another one is a a, a guy eating uh, at a table. I believe that's the one. Is that the song that I hear the kiss song? Yeah. Kiss riff. Yep. That's the yep. one. Yep. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. I was like, that's just kisses. That's <laughs> that's kiss. And it's, yeah. So it's you have, like, that that song is like you have the thin lizard dual harmonies in the yeah, intro. Yeah, yeah. Then you have the ACDC and the KISS thing, and then you kind of just make it all one song. And if you listen to it like with a skeptic sort of like, I don't want to like this, they, they just stole it all sort of mentality. Well, too bad for you. But if you listen to it as a whole, as a song, I mean, it's a great song in my mind. It's a rock and roll stew. <laughs> exactly. A rock and roll stew. Uh, does the world still look to America for leadership? And do you think uh, artists should speak up about social issues or be quiet and just rock? Uh, I think uh, that being in a position where people hear your voice, uh, as a, like artists are, you have a responsibility to, to um, actually speak out. Um, and also, you know, depending on where the times like they are now, where America is plummeting into fascism, <laughs> it's more important than ever to to touch upon those issues and and talk, you know, 
because it's dangerous. Like uh, being able to to travel around and play rock music requires a certain peace and freedom in the world. And when you start taking that for granted, uh, that's when it's uh, that that's when it starts to crumble. Uh, so. I would say that an artist would shoot himself in the foot if he didn't speak up against, you know, injustices and, you know, uh, supports, would support freedom of, you know, creativity and freedom of speech and those sorts of things. But then, you know, politics are, we all have different opinions and you could take a stand and lose maybe fans and you could like whatever. And those issues aren't that important. But I think is really important for an artist is to like defend democracy and defend freedom because without that you won't be able to write songs about whatever you want freedom of speech is a that's a pillar of democracy that's where you you have to have that sort of thing so yes offend people let people be offended because freedom of speech is much more important than anyone crying because they feel sad. Well, Hakeem, thank you for your time. We look forward to the album coming out. Uh, the the videos that you have on uh, on uh, YouTube, uh, the songs are amazing. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with anybody that might be listening to this? Well, I'm just wondering if I went too political with just saying that whole fascism thing. But no, just have fun, be nice. That's, that's what I'm about.